Good evening. It is seven o'clock, so time to begin again our weekly Bible study. Uh, we are still looking at the eyes of an, mm, the Barnabas factor. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the screen and reading the wrong part. Uh, still giving consideration to the Barnabas factor. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you want to uh, turn to Luke chapter 7, we will continue uh, from the point at which we left off on last Wednesday. Uh, I have been uh, passed a note uh, to mention someone in prayer. His name is Steve Deloach. I would believe the last name is pronounced Steve Deloach and his wife, Colleen, uh, who are missionaries, if I'm remembering correctly, missionaries in Guyana. And uh, Colleen, who is Steve's wife, uh, has a rather serious medical condition uh, that needs to be addressed. And it has created uh, not just concerns of a medical nature, but also concerns of a financial one uh, as well. Certainly, we'll want to remember to keep uh, Steve and Colleen Deloach in prayer. And having said that, there are uh, quite a few people uh, that are in uh, on our prayer list. Uh, some have lost relatives. Uh, some are dealing with uh, some of the other trials that come our way in life. Uh, if I tried to name all of them, I am sure I would overlook someone. Uh, but let us be mindful to uh, note the uh, emails that come out uh, concerning people uh, soliciting prayer, as also uh, those that we just may know from uh, general conversation. Uh, so at this time, let us uh, have a word of prayer. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you, Father, for the blessings in life that we have. Uh, we thank you, Father, for the privilege that is ours to gather through this medium to uh, consider together, Father, some things that you speak to us through your word. Father, it is ever our prayer that our hearts would be open and receptive to the things uh, that you reveal to us, uh, that uh, each and every day it would be our utmost priority to live lives that would bring glory and honor to you. And Father, at this time, uh, we are mindful to pray for the Deloach family and for all of those, Father, who are dealing with uh, health issues, financial issues, and uh, other trials at this time. We pray as well, Father, for those who have uh, lost loved ones and uh, just, Father, we pray for each and every individual walking uh, this planet. Father, we all stand in need of prayer. Father, we thank you for being able to call your name and uh, for your ability and your willingness to bless us above and beyond uh, our ability to ask. Father, we ask that you would be uh, with this world in which we live, be with the leaders of the nations and all of those who are uh, in positions of authority. Father, we pray for all of those who are risking their own lives in service to others and just asking, oh God, that you would bless and keep them each one. Father, above all, we thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who makes everything possible. And in his name we do pray, amen. So just by way of uh, review, we are again in Luke chapter 7. We are talking about uh, uh, from the subject, the Barnabas factor, and uh, starting last week, we gave consideration to uh, 
the eyes of an encourager. Uh, prior to that, we had been talking about uh, the mind of an encourager. And even prior to that, making this all work together, Brother Holt had uh, led us in four aspects of encouragement, uh, consolation, inspiration, objurgation, and edification. And now we are taking a look at the encourager, the individual. Uh, so at first we gave consideration to the activity and now we are giving consideration uh, to the individual. Uh, last Sunday, last Wednesday rather, uh, we had read the Bible text there in Luke chapter 7 verses 36 through 50, uh, but then had run out of time before we were able to uh, particularize the things that we wanted uh, from this text. Uh, Luke chapter 7, uh, Jesus here, uh, as was the case throughout uh, his uh, time here on earth, uh, can be seen very prominently to be an encourager uh, in this situation. I'm going to read again uh, verses 36 through 50. You can never read the Bible too much. Uh, reading the Bible is always a good thing. So I'm going to read again uh, verses 36 through 50, but then pick up at verse 40, uh, where we had stopped on last Wednesday. So Luke 7, verse number 36, and again, I'll be reading from the New American Standard. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. 
now, on last Wednesday, we had given uh, some attention to, uh, you should say, the, the primary characters uh, in this account, uh, Jesus, Simon, and the woman. Uh, one of the other things that is interesting to note is how people can be present at the same time in the same setting and yet see different things. Uh, all Simon could see is that this woman was a sinner. Uh, I notice her activity in verse number 38. Uh, the Bible says she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She wet his feet with her tears, kept wiping them with the hairs of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Uh, now, I would submit to you, even the cleanest of feet are not ones that you would want to be kissing and wiping with your hair. Now, if you are like me, my hair is much too short to uh, really do any good uh, to wiping someone's feet. Uh, nonetheless, uh, this woman shows uh, her contrition just by her activity. And consider again, when you are talking about uh, the time and place in which they lived, uh, they did not live in the days of Dr. Scholes and uh, shoes as we know them. Uh, so living in that uh, hot, sandy area that they lived in, uh, walking around in those sandals, uh, your feet tended to stay dirty, uh, which is why it was customary uh, to supply someone with the necessary items to wash their feet when they were invited uh, into the house as a guest. Uh, so again, uh, you know, and, and I mentioned that simply because even in the world we live today, uh, it's interesting how people can look at the same thing and be radically, so radically far apart in terms of perspective or what was uh, observed. Uh, so now I have marked that we stopped at verse number 40. So we'll move down to uh, verse 40 and note Jesus's uh, activity as it pertains to encouragement, uh, starting from there. So verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. And when we look at this text, I, I hope we appreciate that Jesus was an encourager uh, to the entire group. Uh, now, recall that the mind of an encourager is such that an encourager des desires reconciliation rather than victory, and an encourager desires to gain a friend rather than an advantage. Now, this is not to say that an encourager avoids uh, the tough conversations or that uh, an encourager goes along to get along. Uh, what it does say is that the encourager has the right priorities and endeavors to use the best methodology to achieve uh, the right priorities. Uh, being right, uh, and, and appreciate what I say when I say being right. Uh, now, we always want to do right and say what's right and be right in that regard. Uh, but we never want to be right to the uh, extent that we don't care uh, about the other person. I just want to be viewed as correct. Uh, uh, appreciate me to be saying that uh, when I say would rather be reconciled than be right. You always want the truth to prevail, uh, but we are living to a very low standard and very inconsiderate of others if all we want to do is be correct with no thought for how others are affected. 
So Jesus says to Simon, I have something to say to you. Now, mind you, Jesus could have read Simon uh, the riot act. Uh, Simon was just wrong here. Uh, and I would venture that this wasn't the first time that Simon had been wrong about something uh, in his living. Uh, I heard uh, a brother in Christ one time during a session about something else, but he, but he made a, a, a statement that after I gave some thought to, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know what, that's correct. Uh, and the statement he made is that Jesus cares more about our hearts than he does our habits. Now, before we get legalistic and want to jump up and, and talk, start swinging at that one, and hear me out. He cares more about our hearts than he does our habits. Now, this is not to say that our habits are irrelevant, uh, but what the Lord understands is if you change the heart, then the heart will change the habit. Uh, many times, I believe the mistake that is made is we endeavor to change the habit uh, to regulate the behavior uh, with, with no attempt to help the heart of the individual be changed. Now, we can't change a person's heart, uh, but God certainly can, and God does that through his word. And, and I think sometimes in our haste to be right, we miss an opportunity to be used as a vessel uh, to uh, lead the person's heart to the right place uh, in an attempt simply to correct something. And so Jesus here uh, shows uh, for Simon, for this woman, and for the others in the audience that he cares more about their hearts than their habits. And so starting at verse 41, uh, he starts with an impersonal story and then makes the application uh, to Simon. And again, when you read through the Bible, it's interesting how the Lord deals with different people differently and differently even in different circumstances. Uh, you remember Peter, uh, Jesus would just be just kind of down the middle with Peter, uh, you know, get thee behind me, Satan, and, and, and you know, the, the like. Uh, whereas with Judas, uh, you know, that thou doest do quickly. Uh, the Lord was always trying to reconcile people to himself. Uh, rather than just simply be right or, uh, you know, state the facts and then show the individual uh, where they were wrong. Uh, he, he could have read Simon the Riot Act, uh, but even here he's acting as an encourager. So he starts with uh, uh, an account about a moneylender, and then he makes the application to Simon, and Brother Holt would tell us that this was objurgation, Jesus encouraged uh, through objurgation Simon to be more humble and more honest with himself uh, about who he was and to be less critical and condemning uh, of others. Uh, do you notice what we are told about Simon? Simon's, what we are told was critical. You know, this woman is a sinner. If he really was a prophet, he wouldn't let this sinner woman touch him. Simon, that's just a, you, negativity from start to finish uh, there. And so Jesus uh, is having, you know, what you could call the unpleasant conversation. He's addressing uh, Simon's critically condemning spirit, uh, but at the same time, he's acting in a very positive way 
uh, to encourage uh, this woman. And so certainly we see from Jesus here that sometimes the unpleasant conversation uh, is necessary. But may I say again, methodology is everything. Uh, you know, there is more to correcting someone than simply saying you're wrong. Uh, and that's not to say that you can't say that to an individual. But I would venture most times if you can be that blunt, uh, that it is someone with whom you have more than just a casual relationship. Uh, it is someone that can take uh, being talked to uh, rather uh, severely. Uh, but certainly Jesus here addresses and needfully so addresses Simon. Simon, you need to be told some things about yourself. Uh, but notice the manner in which he does it. He, he did, uh, Simon, you old hypocrite, you. You know, uh, you, you got some sin problems yourself. And no doubt he could have called uh, some specific wrongs that Simon had been guilty of. Uh, but he reaches out to him uh, with kindness, even though he has to address uh, something that is unpleasant. Uh, and so he says, you know, the one fellow owes a great deal of money. The other fellow owes considerably less. Uh, and when he forgives both of them, uh, which one would be uh, more thankful? Uh, Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he forgave more, uh, as if this was the $64,000 question that really required some serious uh, consideration. Uh, but Jesus answered him, you have judged correctly. Uh, and then he, he turns to the woman. Uh, now, see this woman, and you know what Simon had, 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 had been saying about it. She's a sinner. Uh, Simon holds this woman in the lowest regard. He said, and you see this woman, and, and you can hear what's unsaid. This woman of whom you have such a low opinion, uh, this woman whom you wouldn't even let touch you, this woman whom you are so critical of. Uh, he says, now, this woman has shown me a kindness, and you wouldn't even give me common courtesy. Now, think of how uh, inhospitable Simon has been. You invite me to dinner, but then you don't even show me common courtesy. Uh, and you all will excuse me. I, there are a number of comments popping up, and sometimes they pop up, and by the time I see them, uh, they don't stay up long enough for me to read uh, the entire uh, comment. But I take that as uh, if we were all in the same location uh, participating. So uh, absolutely, if you have a comment, please type it in. Uh, and prayerfully, even if I miss it, others in the audience are sitting there and will see it. So, but this woman whom you hold in such low regard has not only shown me courtesy, but has gone uh, the extra mile again. She's using her hair uh, and her tears uh, to wash Jesus's feet. Uh, I, I would venture that you wanted to stay away from someone's feet, if at all possible, uh, especially in, in that climate and at that time. Uh, but Jesus points her out and says, uh, she has shown me kindness when you wouldn't even show me common courtesy. And then in 47, Jesus really, uh, I, I guess we could say, goes into deep water. He said, for this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. 
Now, you would have to be blind, deaf, and dumb to miss what Jesus uh, is saying to Simon before all of them. Uh, he makes a very, uh, very important point, and yet he has not ha had to belittle anyone. Uh, he has not railed on anyone, uh, but he has stated the case uh, as it is. Now, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. Now, you know where Simon falls? Simon doesn't see himself as a sinner. Uh, and the fact, the Pharisees usually saw themselves uh, in the most positive of lights, uh, even when they were wrong. So he said to her, your sins have been uh, forgiven. Now, Jesus's encouragement of this woman actually began before his statement in verse number 47. Uh, and I submit to you that that is the case because he allowed the woman to touch him, uh, which was a sign and an act of acceptance. Uh, and again, appreciate in their culture, this was unthinkable uh, that a teacher would allow a woman to touch him and especially a sinful woman uh, like that one. Uh, but when he does that, what it says is that he has embraced her and does not hold her in the low regard uh, that other people do. Uh, so there was uh, something communicated uh, quite loudly through the fact that Jesus allowed this woman uh, to touch him. And we need to be aware of the fact that body language is a very loud communicator. Uh, to the point that it can override what we say verbally. Uh, you know, if we have a visitor and, uh, you know, I say through gritted teeth, we're glad to have you here. Uh, you know, you can barely understand what I said. And, you know, my face is just, uh, you know, tore up and uh, you know, my tone is, is just off. Uh, now, I've said I, we're glad to see you, but my body language certainly articulates uh, something else. Uh, reminds me uh, of an account that I heard concerning uh, Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson. Uh, and I will take it uh, to be true, I wasn't there. Uh, but you remember, uh, Jackie Robinson faced uh, an incredible struggle uh, and a great deal of hostility uh, from the crowds. Uh, every time he went out to play, uh, simply because this defied the norm. Uh, uh, Negroes, as they were called, well, I guess we're still called that, uh, but black people didn't play uh, baseball with white people, which is why they had the Negro League. Uh, so Jackie Robinson is uh, allowed to play. Uh, and I mean, the crowd is just going at it. They are calling him every name under the sun and then some. And Pee Wee Reese, who played shortstop, is reportedly said to have walked over to Jackie Robinson and put his arm around him. Now, in that multitude, I don't know that they could have heard Pee Wee Reese even if they had been quiet, but certainly his action spoke volumes. Uh, the fact that he was willing to put his arm around this man whom uh, they are railing on and reading him the riot act for no good reason. Uh, but what it does is, by putting his arm around him, Pee Wee Reese says, we are together. And if you have a problem with him, uh, then you also have a problem with me. 
And so Jesus allowing this woman to touch him uh, is in that same vein. You know, you consider this woman, uh, you know, lower uh, than the rest of your uh, high-strung buddies here. Uh, she's just a sinner in your estimation. But by allowing her to touch him, Jesus has communicated very loudly uh, to this audience his estimation uh, of the woman. Uh, so this is before he even says anything to her. Now, in verse 48, uh, he says to her, uh, your sins, uh, I see a comment here, we should do the same when brothers and sisters are hurting. Yes, we should. Uh, we absolutely should, rather than rub salt in the wound. And, you know, you have to be very careful uh, about what you say. I, I can remember uh, some years ago when we were in Cambridge, uh, and we had a sister's class and uh, brother's class on Tuesday nights, and so the sisters came back into the main room uh, to join the brothers. Uh, and I just said, I, you know, without really even thinking about it, I did just a couple of the sisters came in. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you can just have that look to you and that aura about you. And I said, man, look like y'all been fighting. Uh, well, what I didn't know is that they had. Uh, and as lighthearted as my comment was, uh, none of them found it funny. Uh, and we actually had to stay after uh, closing prayer uh, and, and get back on one accord. Uh, so yes, but we certainly, when someone is hurting, we certainly want to uh, be an encourager rather than uh, a discourager. And it uh, requires us to pay attention, uh, you know, to a person's body language. Uh, you know, somebody comes in and, you know, someone says, smile, it can't be that bad. Well, what if it is? You know, what if they've just lost a parent or a child or something like that? I doubt that I would come in grinning from ear to ear either uh, uh, under those circumstances. So, but at any rate, uh, verse number 48, uh, Jesus says to the woman, your sins have been forgiven. Now, he further encouraged the woman by speaking directly to her. Uh, and, and I would submit to you that uh, the four points that Brother Holt covered uh, while he was teaching can be seen in this one account. Uh, certainly this woman was in need of consolation, inspiration, and edification. And Simon and his buddies, uh, now they may have needed the other three as well, but they certainly needed objurgation too. Uh, now this woman by, by uh, her action indicates uh, that she's already of a contrite spirit. Uh, uh, you know, you, you, you don't uh, have any more penitence to you than your willingness uh, to wash and kiss someone's feet uh, with, with, with your own hair. And then in verse 50, uh, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. If we paraphrased Jesus' words today, uh, he said something to the effect you know, these guys don't get it, but you're okay. Uh, okay with Jesus, okay with him. And again, it's interesting that all of these individuals are in the same setting and exposed to the same thing, but they come away with different, uh, 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 their different takeaways uh, uh, for the different individuals. Now, Simon and his buddies are stuck on you know, who is this that forgives sins? Uh, Jesus, 
You know, he doesn't want the woman to be hung up on what Simon and his buddies are hung up on. They don't get it. They're still hung up on how can you forgive sin. You're all right. I, I, I see and understand why you are here, and, and I have noticed, and yes, you are forgiven and go. Uh, and I think inherent in this uh, was certainly, you know, go your way and sin no more. Now, it's not recorded that he said that, but certainly I, I would take that to uh, be part of what Jesus is saying here. But nonetheless, uh, acceptance is very encouraging, especially when a person has been rejected uh, by others. And uh, one of the practical ways that we can do this is when we see somebody that is outcast, uh, we can be a friend to that individual. Uh, you know, children are not the only ones that have to deal with bullying. Uh, I would dare say if you work in corporate America or if you work outside your home that you have uh, likely visited bullying on your job. Uh, you know, be a friend to the person who's being bullied. Uh, you know, it helps take the bite out of bullying uh, at any rate. Uh, but I would submit to you, uh, let's see, some people see people's sins and then some people see people in desperation. Uh, thank you, Brother Clark. Yes, that is uh, very much the case. And I would uh, add to that. And what we tend to see is a great commentary on who we are in the first place. Uh, so in this account, uh, certainly we can see uh, the four aspects uh, of encouragement uh, that were covered in class last month. And as I mentioned, we are covering this month the uh, individual. And so here Jesus is putting those things uh, in motion. Uh, when we consider uh, the ears uh, of an encourager, uh, that actually should have stayed, but that's fine. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Uh, I wanna read you something uh, that I ran across, uh, a commentary on Proverbs 18, verse 13, and it reads, the fool who was so delighted with his own knowledge that he would rather teach than learn is prone to answer questions before they are asked, which often turn out to be the wrong questions, to offer unwanted advice, and to make promises before thinking through the consequences. Although this may seem precocious when it is right, and occasionally even impress others, it quickly becomes distracting and annoying, and insults others by implying that the speaker cannot think his own thoughts. Attentive listening grows out of respect for others, a quality lacking in fools. Giving another person the time and silence to make a point, ask a question, or request counsel is not, only, uh, is not the only part of wisdom. It is one way of fulfilling the second greatest commandment. And you remember that Jesus stated that the second commandment was to love one's neighbor uh, as one's self. And I dare say that we've all had the experience, uh, maybe someone has said something to you on the line of, I know what you're thinking, or I know what you're going to say. Uh, no, you don't know. Now, you may have a guess, and your guess may be accurate, uh, but unless you are God, you don't know. Uh, and as the commentary that I just read uh, said, it, sometimes we are right, 
And you know, if you spend a great deal of time with someone over the years, we are able to uh, guess a little more accurately uh, than we typically would with someone uh, that we don't know well. Uh, but I think we would be well served to hear Solomon here in Proverbs 18, verse 13. Uh, you cannot have a commentary on something before you know what the something is. And if you do have a commentary on something before you know what it is, keep it to yourself. Uh, you'll be blessed and everybody in the sound of your voice uh, will be blessed uh, as well. Uh, another quotation, and this one will, uh, pops up on the screen there. You can see it at the bottom. Of all the skills needed by an encourager, listening is arguably the most essential. It is also the most difficult. That is because listening is more a matter of the heart and mind than of the ears. Uh, that's very profound. Uh, we use our ears to hear. They, they are our auditory vessels given to us uh, by God, but, but how we use our ears uh, is determined uh, by the mind uh, and by uh, the heart. And uh, when you talk about the idea of being able uh, to listen, uh, we live in a world where uh, there's not a super abundance uh, of good listeners. Uh, if you listen to people talk sometimes, and I don't mean interject, I mean just sit down and listen. Uh, Brother Caldwell has said, listen to understand instead of listening to respond precisely. And typically, if we listen at all, we listen to respond rather than understand. Uh, but much of the time, we will simply respond uh, without even listening. Uh, and this is why you can have people have exchanges that will go back and forth uh, at length, uh, because there is no real dialogue, there's no real communication. Uh, all there is is, is this burning desire uh, to make you see my point, to have you acquiesce. Uh, and again, remember, uh, an encourager would rather be reconciled uh, than be right. Uh, an encourager's idea is not simply uh, uh, you know, to win an argument or, or to be correct. Uh, you can actually alienate more people than you help uh, with that, uh, that methodology. Uh, but consider how uh, discouraging it can be uh, to try to communicate. I, I'm going to pop some pictures up here, and I would dare say if we can't relate to all of them, we can probably relate uh, to at least one. Uh, a coworker shares a new idea, but no one is interested. Uh, can you imagine if you were at work giving a presentation and this is the way people responded? Uh, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't find that very uh, encouraging. Uh, now, as it would happen in my line of work, I have to do a great deal of talking to audiences. Uh, and what I have had to learn is uh, gauge the job you're doing by the audience in general and not by any one particular person. Because I would venture on just about any given Sunday, you can find somebody who obviously did not go to bed the night before and has decided worship, uh, uh, Sunday worship is a good time uh, to catch up on the sleep that they have missed. Uh, now, I would venture I am not the most entertaining uh, fellow in the world, and I don't try to compete uh, with people's cell phones or iPads or any of that kind of thing. Uh, but nonetheless, 
when you're trying to speak to people and they, they have no interest in what you were saying, I would venture that that's just very uh, discouraging. Uh, here's another one. Brothers, let me not get you in trouble. Uh, but a wife tries to tell her husband about her day, but he won't stop watching the television. Uh, you ever tried to talk to somebody and they wouldn't pay attention? Uh, I can remember years ago, and I'll share this one with you because I've repented and become a wiser man uh, since then. Uh, but years ago, and I, and I want to stress years ago, uh, Sister Cook and I were, uh, well, she was really talking. I, I was just more uh, the audience. And, and she asked me, she said, can you look at me while I'm talking to you? And I had the goal to respond, I hear with my ears, not with my eyes. Uh, now, that's the kind of thing you say when you're newly married. Uh, you know, after some years uh, and, and some learning and some maturing, uh, you learn that, no, you hear uh, with your entire body, uh, if you understand uh, the proposition. Uh, but imagine how the wife feels in this picture. Uh, he can't stop watching TV long enough to listen to what I'm saying. Uh, the message being sent there is that whatever it is on TV is more important than I am. Uh, and then the third one, uh, you have a parent who's trying to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk uh, with a teenage kid in this case, uh, but the kid doesn't want to hear it. Uh, you know, there is something about becoming a parent. You actually need to stand on the other side of the fence to appreciate uh, what parents go through. I, I used to think uh, uh, as a young man that my mother had to be the worst worry wart uh, ever born into this world. Uh, but then when you have children, what the, the parents' concern makes sense to you. It's not so much that I'm concerned about you. You know, you've been uh, raised the best we could. You've been raised to uh, uh, know God and have respect for his word and that kind of thing. But there's a whole world that you'll go out there into. Uh, and everybody out there in the world is not concerned about uh, your well-being or your best interest. Uh, that's the concern of a parent. So there are times when I say no, not because it has anything to do with you in particular, uh, but sometimes you need somebody to tell you no so you won't put yourself in harm's way. Uh, you know, it, when we were teenagers, you know, we can get, uh, you know, misty-eyed uh, in, in a heartbeat. Uh, and, you know, we've met uh, the love of our lives, uh, you know, many times over uh, in some cases. Uh, but your parents see what's there. Uh, you know, as a parent, uh, especially having uh, two daughters, uh, you know, there were just some things to me that were just unacceptable. And I didn't care how cute he was or how funny or uh, how special you feel because he's interested. Uh, if he couldn't pull his pants up on him right, uh, I didn't have much aspiration. That was strikes one, two, three through the first eight innings. And you were already down two strikes uh, on your last outcoming. Uh, you know. It, it, if you couldn't speak with respect, uh, you know, Mr. Cook, Mrs. Cook, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Uh, those things are standard, though those are not extras, though that'll get you in the door. You know, if you show up at the door and you do a, hey, man, uh, goodbye, and there's the door closed. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting off uh, on a tangent, and I don't know why, because both my daughters are grown and married. Uh, but at any rate, for those of you who still have uh, young, younger 
uh, children, and maybe they're not even teenagers yet. Uh, the Lord bless them to keep living. They will be uh, one day. Uh, but at any rate, again, uh, think how uh, this mother would feel uh, with the daughter. Uh, you know, mom, dad, you know, that was the case when you were young, but, you know, times have changed and things have changed. Uh, uh, and that might be the case, and I believe it was Brother Holt who just had a comment there, but our standards need to remain the same. Amen. As long as God is God, then righteousness will be righteousness. Uh, and a whole lot of things change, but God's standards, God's will, uh, does not. Uh, so let me see here. So we're talking about uh, communication, uh, and this is where the ears of an encourager uh, really come into play. Uh, I read through uh, several different sources, and one of the themes that kept uh, striking me as I read uh, the comments that were uh, being expressed or the point of views that were being expressed is that the level of communication in many conversations is superficial. Uh, to the point where people simply take turns speaking uh, without giving uh, serious con consideration to one another's message. And again, uh, just when you have the opportunity, uh, and, and I'm not encouraging you necessarily to go eavesdropping, uh, but listen to a conversation. Uh, and sometimes there's just uh, some, I'm just going to call it unnecessary disconnect. Uh, you know, sometimes I listen to conversations and I wonder, why is that hard? You know, if you are listening to each other, uh, th th this isn't difficult, but it's that, uh, as Brother Caldwell mentioned, uh, you know, when we listen to respond rather than to understand, if we listen at all, uh, then this is where much of the disconnect uh, happens. And conversation uh, one, one source said, is typically not a dialogue, uh, but two concurrent and competing monologues. Uh, and I found that uh, very interesting. So we can actually be talking to each other, but really be talking at each other. Uh, you say what you say, and I say what I say, but we really aren't considering uh, uh, one another's just this point and counterpoint. Uh, and again, this is why I think, uh, you know, uh, you can find individuals remain at an impasse after lengthy exchanges uh, because there's no dialogue. There's no empathic listening. I'm not trying to understand uh, uh, what you uh, are saying. Uh, and in some cases, there's no desire or effort to understand. Uh, even sometimes people may use language which says I'm trying to understand you. And that may not really be uh, uh, the case. We are often consumed with the desire to be right uh, or to prevail. And one of the things I try to remember, trying to understand somebody is not an, an admission necessarily that they are correct. I'm trying to appreciate your, your, your train of thought. Uh, and I wonder if it has ever dawned on us, if I understand your train of thought, then maybe I can get you to understand mine. Uh, because your train of thought tells me uh, how the wheels turn. Uh, but if we just go back at one another, uh, then the likelihood is that there'll just be uh, a disconnect uh, because there is no understanding. 
And empathic listening, uh, and that's the technical term for when you listen to somebody and you try to understand what they say, you try to identify with what they are saying. Uh, that's called empathic listening. Uh, one individual asserts that empathic listening is a rarity and then says being silent is not the same thing as listening. Uh, you know, you can be quiet. That doesn't mean that you're listening. It just means I'm not talking. Uh, now, you're, you can be hard at work in your mind with your thoughts formulating your next argument or your next statement and really not paying attention uh, to what the individual uh, has to say, uh, which leads us uh, to the comment that you'll see pop up here. Listening is loving. Uh, now, again, three words, but I find that to be very profound. Uh, listening is loving. Uh, the core problem of failed communication is selfishness. Uh, I, I, I would submit to you, if you stop and think it through, one of the biggest problems we have when we try to talk to one another is that we can be very selfish. I want to speak and I want you to listen. I want to say things to you, but I don't want you to say anything to me. I want you to see my way as the correct way or uh, see me as being right uh, in this process. Uh, and all of those things uh, speak to selfishness. Uh, remember, an encourager desires reconciliation rather than victory. Uh, an encourager has the other individual's best interest at heart. Uh, if all I want you to do is see that you're wrong, uh, there's nothing encouraging about that. Uh, and in fact, I would say that that would probably put us about, let's see, an important reason why daily reading of God's word is critical to seeking a better understanding. Yes, because if we do not start with God's word, we are doomed before we get started. Uh, we have just a few minutes here, so I'm not going to get through all of these, but we can start on, on uh, these items uh, at, at least. Uh, where you find failed communication, you may well find uh, domination. And domination in this context uh, is monopolizing the theme and direction of the conversation. Uh, and I would dare say that all of us know someone, whatever the topic of conversation is, that person has a great deal to say. Uh, and they usually have more to say than anybody else. Uh, and are almost seemingly an expert on just about anything, uh, any subject of conversation. Now, if you don't know anybody like that, go look in the mirror and you'll probably see somebody. Uh, but when you dominate uh, a conversation, uh, if you tend to be a dominator uh, when it comes to conversation, uh, you may notice that folk tend not to want to communicate with you. Uh, that being because they can't communicate with you uh, because I'm dominating. Uh, I do most of the talking. Uh, I steer the conversation. I have the most to say, uh, and I tend to be the one uh, that is uh, correct. Uh, look with me real quick, uh, and then we will drive a stake in it uh, right here. And Lord willing, next Wednesday will actually be the last Wednesday for the Barnabas Factor, and then Brother uh, Jeff Watson will be leading us in a study of Ecclesiastes. Uh, but look with me, if you will, uh, Philippians 2, uh, verses 4 and 5. 
do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What I find interesting is that when you stop and think about it, it really is all about Jesus, but Jesus never made it all about himself. Uh, you know, he didn't dominate conversations. Uh, if you look back at Luke chapter seven, uh, you know, where we just looked at uh, him being invited to uh, the house of Simon the Pharisee, uh, well, Jesus is the one who could forgive sins. Jesus is the one who the woman uh, sought out. Jesus is the one who Simon invited. Uh, we, we are not told why, but ostensibly there was something about Jesus that he wanted to see uh, some see or know something more. Uh, at any rate, everything about that account keeps bringing us back to Jesus. When, when you ask us why are we able to be reconciled to God, uh, it's Jesus. Uh, but if you notice Jesus in that account and, and throughout his ministry, you know, Jesus, he was an expert who was not an expert. Uh, you know, he didn't come across as a know-it-all or as seeing himself super superior to everyone else, even though he was superior to everyone else. And so uh, we want to be very careful uh, not to be dominators uh, when it comes to communicating. Uh, dominators are not encouraging uh, because it really doesn't give anybody else uh, an equal chance or if they receive uh, a chance at all. Uh, I am about less than 60 seconds under I'm going to say I've given back 45 seconds. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then the brothers will come forward uh, with the devotional. Let us pray. Our Father, now God in heaven, again, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for the blessings in life that we have. Father, we thank you for being the good God that you are. We thank you for your word that guides us and uh, in which we can find encouragement and a guide for life. And Father, we thank you for all that you are and for all that you enable us to become through you. Father, again, we pray for all of those who are dealing with adversity and trial and trouble, asking, oh God, that you would bless them, uh, each one according to their individual need, but asking in all things that your will would be done. Father, we are just so thankful uh, for the opportunity, the privilege to be reconciled to you. Thankful, Father, to be numbered among your children. And again, Father, we ask that each day in every way and in everything, you would bless us to live lives that bring glory and honor to you. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, we do pray. Amen. Good evening, family. It's good to be together this evening. And I hope this song will be on your heart the rest of this week. Have you ever been really thirsty and think about how thirsty you might be? The Bible says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. So I don't want to take up too much of Brother Calvin's time, but here's a beautiful song. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. 
You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. I want you more than gold or silver, only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. When we think about where we are today, when we think about how our life has changed, when we think about how different things are for us, you think about the feeling of isolation, you think about the feeling of loneliness, not having that human interaction with others can be very tough and be very difficult. That's why Joshua chapter one, verse nine, gives us some comfort. Joshua chapter one, verse nine says, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. How comforting is it to know that in this isolation, in this time apart, in this time of uncertainty, no matter where we are, no matter what our position is, no matter who is around, God is with us wherever we go. So because of that, we should be strong. We should be courageous. There's nothing to be afraid of. So it doesn't matter what we see on TV or what we hear on the news or whatever that might be. We can always be strong and always be courageous. Why? Because God is with us. It also makes me think about Isaiah. And Isaiah... Um, 43, Isaiah 43, uh, verse one says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. 
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba in your place. And then scooting down to verse 13. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. And there is no one who can deliver, there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work and will reverse it. How comforting is it? knowing that God has a hedge of protection around us and he is always there. God is always leading us just the same way that he led the children of Israel uh, out of Egyptian bondage. God is there. So I don't know what you feel like right now. You might feel anxiety. You might feel um, tired. You might feel loneliness, but what you should feel is comfort. What you should feel is courage. What you should feel is boldness. Because we serve a mighty God who is ready, able, and equipped to protect us, and he always loves us and never forsakes us. So I know you might think you are alone, but you're not. And because of that, our God is good and awesome and so much more. And we are just so thankful for the ability to be called children of God. And if you are not a Christian and you want to become a Christian so you can have this kind of relationship, this kind of assurance, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, is our Savior, and you are willing to submit to him in baptism, according to Acts 2.38, then you can be saved. And you know what? You're placed into the church with others who are also believing, also fighting this hard-fought battle but we'll be there to encourage you too. So even in the absence of us being together, we are still singing. We are still thinking about each other. We're still loving on each other. We're still praying for each other. And for that, we got to be thankful. So I say to all, to all of us, uh, be strong and be courageous because God is with us. Thank you. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond holding us to the Lord. A common strength when we're weary, a common hope for tomorrow a common joy 
in the truth of God's word. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond holding us to the Lord. A common strength when we're weary, a common hope for tomorrow, a common joy in the truth of God's Word. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Let us all pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time that we've been able to gather together. And meeting virtually does make us weary. It does make it hard to reach out. And it's hard to see your comfort, Father. Father, we would ask that you would be with our minds and our spirits. Give us the courage. Give us the action to reach out to reach your word, to feel the things that Calvin talked about. Father, we love you so much, and we ask that you be with us through the rest of this week. Comfort us and strengthen us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.